Hello, cabin crew. Thank you for joining me for tonight's episode. I'm so thankful that you can be here as we delve into this evening's story. I have always been fascinated and curious about strange disappearances, as there are many around the world. The number of the missing, I honestly can't comprehend. Over 600,000 people go missing every year in the United States. Approximately 300 to 350,000 go missing in the UK, and according to the Mexico National Register, more than 100,000 have gone missing there. I wonder, how can so many people just vanish without leaving such as a fingerprint, a cell phone, a wallet, an article of clothing? With all of the technology today, the number shouldn't be this high unless there is something going on that we don't know about. So stay tuned for the Vermont Five. And this is Farah, and you're listening to The Conversation Cabin. Today's story is about a captivating triangle. Less talked about than the Bermuda Triangle or the Bridgewater Triangle in Massachusetts. But no less eerie, no less mysterious, and not without strange disappearances. The Bennington Triangle is in Vermont, where there are three ghost towns, Lewiston, Glastonbury, and Somerset. This tucked away terrifying triangle is around the town of Glastonbury and centered around the Glastonbury Mountain. The town was abandoned at the end of the 19th century after the boom of the logging industry. It's a vast area of untouched wilderness and dark roads. It has been known for all things spooky. Bigfoot sightings, UFO activity, strange sounds, unknown bright lights, but also for the unexplained disappearances of five people between 1945 to 1950. Visitors to this area report experiencing strange delirium, dizziness, and confusion. One gentleman who told the Bennington Banner about the time that he himself was lost, and then all of a sudden he was quoted saying, everything crescendoed into this weird sort of dizzying confusion. It just suddenly got dark, and then it was like, where am I? What's going on? He found a maple tree to grab onto to stable and shelter himself, yet the tree, too, had a strange energy. Native Americans say the mountain of Glastonbury is cursed. They used it only for burying their dead. The mountain holds many secrets and when you walk into the forest it becomes a deafening silence. You hear nothing. No little critters jumping around in the leaves. No birds singing their daily songs through the trees. All you hear is your breath. Your heart beating. Around this area, people have sighted mysterious lights through the mountain and unknown crafts shooting fast across the sky. Also, 
For more than 200 years, a Bigfoot-like creature has been rumored to hide out in the Glastonbury Mountains and acquired the name the Bennington Monster. The creature walks upright and is over six feet tall. So keep all of these reports in mind as we dive into the more strange of the 30 to 40 disappearances. In November of 1945, 74-year-old Mitty Rivers, a well-known hunter, gathered his group of four hunters that he was taking out and entered into the mountains. When they were traveling back through the woods of Hell Hollow after their heart-pounding hunt day, Mitty became separated from the group, never to be seen again. With the help of 300 locals and army soldiers that were dispatched from Fort Devens, Massachusetts, the search was on. Searching the path the hunters walked, the areas where they hunted, even going off the beaten path, there was no sign of Mr. Rivers. Not a piece of clothing was found, nor the gun that Mitty was carrying. About one year later, one of the most infamous cases of the missing came to be, that of Paula Weldon. Paula was 18 years young and a sophomore at Bennington College at the time she went missing. December 1st, 1946, after clocking out from her job at the college dining hall, she went to her dorm room, changed her clothes, scooted down the driveway of the campus building, hitched a ride with Lewis Knapp, a local, who dropped her about two and a half miles away from the long trail. He stated that Paula either walked or got another ride to get to her destination, Woodford Hollow. However she got there, she made it, and there were a group of hikers that testified to that. They were walking down the trail as she was walking in, and she came up to them to ask a few questions about the long trail. She seemed personable, cheery, nothing seemed awry, just another cordial girl taking an innocent hike. But the innocence was quickly drained as Paula never returned to campus or her dorm room. Her roommate had said that she simply thought Paula was studying for exams and was at the library getting deep into her books. But when she didn't return the next morning, worry set in. 1,000 people, law enforcement, aircraft, and even a $5,000 reward couldn't bring Paula home. Her father criticized the police for their lack of investigative methods, and because of him and his daughter's disappearance, the Vermont State Police was formed seven months later. No clues were ever found, and the case is still open. One of the more unexplained supernatural of all the disappearances is the case of 68-year-old James Tedford. First of all, it was exactly three years to the day that Paula Weldon went missing. If you recall, she went missing on December 1st, 1946. James went missing on December 1st, 1949. Now, if that isn't strange. And James's story is quite unique because he was traveling on a bus at the time of his disappearance. 
After visiting relatives in St. Albans, Virginia, Mr. Tedford boarded a bus to Bennington. Fellow passengers saw him take his seat and snuggle in for the long ride, but somewhere between the last stop in Bennington, James just simply disappeared. Into thin air, as people would say. Everyone from the bus saw him still in his seat at the last stop. He didn't get off at the stop. He didn't get up to even use the bathroom. But now, he was just gone. All that was left in his now empty seat were his belongings, his luggage, and his bus timetable. Where did James go? How did he disappear from inside a moving bus? On October 12, 1950, 8-year-old Paul Jepson was the next to go missing. His mother explained that Paul was just like any other young boy that fateful day. Playing in the yard, messing around in the family truck, nothing again out of the ordinary. As she walked to the dump area to tend to the family pigs, she looked over to see Paul still playing, and that would be the last time that she would see her little boy. The residents formed numerous search parties and even a bloodhound from the New Hampshire Sheriff's Department aided in the search, picking up a scent trail that led to a nearby crossroads, but then the scent was lost, forging the idea that maybe Paul was abducted by a motorist. The little boy was wearing a bright red jacket that day. The jacket was never found, and neither was little Paul. His father was quoted saying that it was the lore of the mountains that sucked his little boy in. Then he was speaking of the Erie Mountains days before he went missing. Two weeks later, on October 28, 1950, Frida Langer, 53 years of age, was next to vanish. A note on this case, Frida had vanished along the long trail, as one of our other missing, Paula Weldon, the sophomore from Bennington College. On the day of Frida's disappearance, she and one of her relatives, Herbert Eisner, went on what was supposed to be a short hike. Frida's husband stayed back at the cabin, nursing a recent knee injury. He kissed her goodbye and off she went. Of course she would be safe with Herbert, her cousin. So Frida's husband didn't think anything bad was going to happen. It's a simple hike with family. As Frida and Herbert were walking down the trail, Frida fell into a nearby stream. Upset, a little embarrassed, with Herbert kind of snickering, a soaked, ego-bumped Frida marched back to change her clothes. She told Herbert to stay where he was and she would be back shortly. But she never reached the cabin to change clothes, nor returned to her cousin who was waiting by the stream. Within the next two weeks, 300 searchers plotted out their areas even three states were involved in the search. Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Vermont came together to find Frida with utilizing the Coast Guard, U.S. Army, and local aircraft. Day after day, month after month, not a shred of evidence was found to help steer where the searchers could go next. Out of all the disappearances, the only body to be found was Frida's. 
On May 12, 1951, seven months after the day she last kissed her husband, chuckled with her cousin, she was found three and a half miles from her camp. Badly decayed, her body couldn't give the clues it needed to help answer the question of how. How did this happen? What did she go through in her last day or days? We will never know. These five disappearances baffle people still today, and still there are no more clues as to all the secrets that Glastonbury and its mountain of mystery hold. And if you ever choose to wander there, down those dark back roads, through the silent woods and tangled trails, be sure to kiss your loved ones before you go. Today's quote, I felt, pays a little homage to our missing. It's by Doris Salcedo, and I think it's quite fitting for today's tale. When a person disappears, everything becomes impregnated with that person's presence. Every single object, as well as every space, becomes a reminder of absence, as if absence were more important than presence. Remember, if you have a terrifying tale that you'd like to share on The Conversation Cabin, email me at theconversationcabin at gmail.com. I want to give a shout out to some of my new supporters and followers on Instagram, The Haunts Podcast, as well as Mrs. Spooky Obsessed Podcast, and you can find them both on Spotify. I also want to give a shout out to Rock Hill Bigfoot, Winchester Phantom, and T Encryptids. I thank everyone who has downloaded and listened to my show. Your support means more to me than you'll ever know. But please, if you haven't yet, follow me on TikTok and Instagram at The Conversation Cabin. And I also noticed that some of my listeners were from overseas, which was a wonderful surprise and made my day. So in honor of you all, I'm going to dedicate a cryptid story from their said countries. Thursday's episode will be dedicated to my grandbabies, Luna, Lily, and Sunny Kay. So if you have any children that love stories, gather them around as I'll be writing my own version of The Little Red Riding Hood and the Big Bad Wolf. So until next time, cabin crew, explore your strange 